When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Genetti. You know how we do rock and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. But I prefer it when we wildin'. Sundress. Nothing underneath as we undress. You could look in my eyes, see I'm some mess. Couple of broken people trying to complete each other under one breath. Look in the mirror, look into my eyes. When you see your reflection, you see what I like. You look good in the morning Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of Summer Sal. My name is Sal. I am your host. And today, we are going to take a look at SummerSlam 1990. Now, this is the third episode of SummerSlam, if you're watching on the Peacock Network. This SummerSlam took place August 27th, 1990. We are just four short months away from when the Ultimate Warrior won the WWF Championship from Hulk Hogan. I wonder how his title reign's going. Well, that being said, Vince McMahon welcomes us and makes sure to announce that tonight is a double main event. That's right, folks. Not only will the Ultimate Warrior defend his title against Ravishing Rick Rude inside a steel cage... But Hulk Hogan takes on the Earthquake. Now, the tagline for SummerSlam 1990 is The Heat Returns, which is a playoff of Feel the Heat from 89. Also, I'd give them credit. They got 19,304 people into the spectrum this evening. Vince McMahon is joined tonight by Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Piper on commentary in 1990. I don't really get it because as we, as we learned a couple years later at WrestleMania 8, he can still go. Uh, and he doesn't seem to be injured, so I'm not exactly sure, but whatever. Piper on commentary. We'll make it work. Match number one. Let's start off hot. Let's get the Rockers out here to take on Power and Glory. Rockers get a good pop. Uh, as they make their way to the ring, I noticed that Hercules and Paul Roma already in the ring. As the Rockers circle the ringside area, all of a sudden they get jumped. 
by Hercules and Paul Roma. Hercules uses the chain to clothesline Shawn Michaels. Luckily for Hercules, the timekeeper rings the bell immediately after this. So I guess we're just going to start this match on the outside. Okay. Uh, Herc then whips Michaels with the chain across the knee. And Janetti has to come over to make the save. By the way, the bell already rang and we get a chain to the knee spot. So, uh, who is this referee tonight? <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen him before, but according to, uh, the Peds, his name is, uh, John Benella. Or Benea, although he doesn't look Spanish. Doesn't matter. Herc and Roma, uh, Hercules and Roma spend the match double teaming Janetti. Uh, and he valiantly tries to fight them both off. Michaels has not moved. Uh, Marty locks Roma in a small package, but the Doctor of Style Slick distracts the ref. And he begins his count late, allowing Hercules to break up the pin. I can see why I don't remember this ref, by the way, because he's fucking awful. Speaking of awful, Hercules tries a clothesline over the top, but Marty doesn't go, so he ends up on the outside instead. You know that classic spot where the guy clotheslines you over the top rope? Except for Marty didn't go over, so Herc just kind of fell over the top rope. Strange. Uh, Roma works on Marty in the ring, and Herc takes care of Michaels trying to crawl up the apron. Let's reverse that in a minute, and Roma kicks Michaels in the knee when he tries to get up a second time. This reminds me of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Every time Michaels is, like, almost to his feet, they just run back over and knock him back down. Uh, Marty fights back, looks to his corner, but there's no one there. I will say this, Marty Jannetty, and I'm not just saying this because he was a guest on this network, Marty Jannetty, hell of a worker, especially 1990. He can sell, he can he can get the crowd behind him, uh, he's obviously very athletic, I mean, this is probably, for being honest, this is like peak Jannetty, maybe into 91 a little bit, but really, this, this is this is it. <laughs> Uh, Roma and Herc beat the ever-loving crap out of Janetti. This is getting uncomfortable. There is no tag. There is no hope spot for a tag. Michaels is dead, and Janetti is getting the shit kicked out of him. They hit a beautiful powerplex. And then Roma uses the arrogant cover of pinning Janetti with one foot. Holy shit. That's the end of the match, folks. Paul Roma and the mighty Hercules have just assaulted the Rockers. I was a little bit surprised when I first watched this. I, I was dumbfounded as to why the Rockers pretty much got squashed and why Michaels never got in the ring. Uh, after the pinfall... Roma goes outside and grabs Michaels and tosses him in the ring. Power and Glory attack Sean's knee as more referees come out to stop the chaos. Then they wheel Michaels out on a stretcher. 
So not only did the Rockets get beat like a couple of jobbers, but then they do the spot after where they get even more heat by hospitalizing Michaels. So why was the match constructed like this? Well, here's why. Michaels took time off after this to have knee surgery for a leg injury suffered prior to SummerSlam. So the entire angle was done so Michaels wouldn't have to actually wrestle. And if you go back and watch, Michaels never takes a bump. Even the clothesline, initially, Michaels kind of falls. Well, first of all, they went wide angle, so you can't see. Michaels falls out of frame, but I don't think he went down flat in his back. A telling point, if you go back to the entrance, Michaels can be seen fast walking to the ring instead of running like Janetti is. Huh. I mean, I'm surprised they even put him out there. In this day and age, they would have just done a backstage segment where you see Michaels on the ground and, and Roman Hercules just, like, smiling above him. Let's go backstage to three of my favorite people from my childhood. Sean Mooney is with Mr. Perfect, your intercontinental champion, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mooney in his fantastic mullet tells us that Mr. Perfect accepted this challenge from the Texas Tornado for the Intercontinental title a mere 10 days ago. Has he ever accepted a challenge like this on such short notice? Uh, Perfect says no, he has not, but it's okay because he's perfect. Uh, Mooney tries to press, but Heenan takes this time to tell, tell us that a Texas tornado never really does any damage. It's just a lot of hot air blowing around. And you can see one coming from a mile away. Perfect then screams into the mic and demands that we remember that nobody beats Mr. Perfect. Nobody. So here's the thing. Here we go again. A little bit of ad-lib tonight at SummerSlam. Why did the Texas Tornado challenge Mr. Perfect a mere 10 days ago? Why wasn't this angle built between them? We will get to that in just a little bit. It is also worth noting that as a sign of the times, first two matches and first two matches that we have tonight has a competitor wearing neon green. Obviously, the Rockers are wearing neon green. But tonight, Perfect is rocking that neon green singlet. Welcome to 1990. Match number two, the Intercontinental Championship is defended against the Texas Tornado. As Mr. Perfect makes his entrance, let's go backstage to Mean Gene, who apparently has drawn the baby faces tonight. He is with the Texas Tornado. Now, I gotta tell you, this guy has Superstar written all over him. Good looking dude, jack to the nines, tall, just, he looked like a guy that you can believe that they were gonna put the rocket to. Granted, 
his eyes are half opened in this promo and it looks like he just smoked one backstage and maybe he did good for him but uh i i thought the guy looked like a million bucks um as a kid not knowing anything about world class i remember thinking that he was pretty cool he was kind of a house of fire he's kind of like a Ultimate Warrior Junior, if you would, if you can call him that. But you know, we all know, unfortunately, the tragic story of Kerry Von Erich. Uh, that withstanding, let's talk about him here in this match. Now, as I mentioned, Tornado wasn't even supposed to be in this match for the second SummerSlam in three years' time. Brutus Beefcake gets cut from the Intercontinental title match, this time because of yet another injury. Now, in 88, you know, it was a standard injury. Uh, But what happened to Beefcake in 1990 was far more devastating. While standing on a beach, uh, amidst his friends, amidst a beach party, pretty much, uh, a female friend who was going parasailing knocked him in the face with her knee at, like, 70 miles an hour. (laughs) Several bones in Brutus's face were broken, including his jaw and his nose. Over 100 feet of wire and 32 screws were required to reconstruct his face. Beefcake had no ability to breathe on his own and would not step back in the ring for almost two years. Now, on the one hand, given the speed at which he was hit, you can definitely say lucky to be alive. But on the other hand, I just... Talk about a freak accident. And talk about one of the most devastating results from an accident. I couldn't believe the details on this. A hundred feet of wiring and 32 screws. Good God, man. When they said he shattered his face, they meant he shattered his fucking face. Holy shit. Side note, I'll always remember that line by Bobby Heenan. Saturday night's main event, Sid Justice just turns on Hogan. Beefcake tries to stop him in the aisle way. Sid turns around like he's going to punch Beefcake, and Vince pleads on commentary, don't hit him, please. Heenan says, if he hits him, it'll be like a hockey game, we'll have a face-off. Fuck's sake, Bobby. Uh, Back to the match. Uh, Piper says the famous line, Texas born, Texas bred, by damn, I'll be Texas dead. Which is kind of eerie when talking about Kerry Von Erich, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Tornado looks kind of terrible in this match. Uh, to the average fan, he's everything the gimmick is supposed to be. Wild, uh, swinging, uh, house of fire. But to me, his timing is off significantly. He's missing a lot. 
uh, missing punches, missing kicks. Hell, he even almost botched a body slam, one of the most basic maneuvers in wrestling, and he almost dropped perfect on his head. Speaking of sloppiness, it must have worn off on Mr. Perfect, because Tornado hits his tornado punch, and Perfect sells it in the opposite direction. Hmm. Adam of the Rundown Network, has described this moment as the first time he realized that something in wrestling might be a little fugazi. It's ironic that this would be the moment that made him think something was fugazi and and not, like, you know, Hogan getting the shit kicked out of him for an hour straight and then all of a sudden hulking up and pinning the guy in two moves. But, you know... Teaches them. Your winner and new Intercontinental Champion in what was probably a four-minute match? The Texas Tornado. Hey, how about that? A one-legged man just won an ass-kicking contest. Uh, Perfect is irate as he leaves. I can't say I blame him. Let's go back to Gene, who now calls the tornado Kerry Von Erich. Gene, see Gene says he wanted to talk to Sweet Sapphire, but she's missing. Enter Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan with Mr. Perfect. And Bobby Heenan screams his head off. That tornado broke every rule in the book. Perfect vows revenge. And we go back to Vince. Nice little... He'll work there at the end by Perfect, uh, trying to say that Tornado cheated, you know, closed fists and and rope breaks and all that nonsense. Kind of gives Perfect an out, but not really, but at least he's playing it up well. As Vincent Piper talking back and forth, we hear the music of the Macho King himself, Randy Savage. But unfortunately, we don't see the Macho King. No, instead, we see sensational Queen Sherry. Sherry is wearing a mask tonight that looks like Willow, Jeff Hardy's alternate personality. So match number three, Queen Sherry versus Sweet Sapphire. But as Jean said, she's missing. So, huh. Let's play her music anyway, pal. We play her music, and nobody comes out. We play it a second time, and nobody comes out again, and the crowd is starting to get a little bit antsy. And then we play it a third time, and once again, no one comes out. So, mind you, in the middle of all this, Piper asks Vince if he's the one buying Sapphire all those gifts, because... Leading up to this, she got a Cadillac, she got a trip around the world, she got a fur coat. But Vince is like, no, 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 not me. It's not me buying all these gifts. Sherry, meanwhile, demands that the match be awarded to her. They announce that Sapphire has until the count of ten to get to the ring, or she loses by forfeit. Ref starts counting. 
we get to 10. And Sherry Martel is your winner by forfeit. There's a SummerSlam first for you. So let's quickly go back to Gene, who's with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Gene asks the question that we all want to know. Where is Sapphire? Dusty says he has no fucking idea. He says they came to the building together, but ten minutes after they arrived, she disappeared. Strange. Hacksaw Jim Duggan then shows up, and Dusty asks, Have you seen Sapphire? And in your classic bit character movie trope, Hacksaw's like, Well, no, Dusty, I haven't seen her. Well, I hope she turns up, though. (laughs) Hacksaw not typically coming across as a country bumpkin, but in this promo he did. (laughs) Dusty then runs through all the gifts Sapphire's been getting. I already got, I already went through them. Uh, gee, I wonder where Sapphire is. Hmm. Gene concludes saying Sapphire did mention, uh, that she'd be getting the biggest gift of all tonight. But then she might not be here to receive it. Ooh. The plot thickens. Match number four, the Warlord. That's right, folks, the Warlord. Versus Tito Santana before they turned him into a matador. Now, getting the jobber entrance is the Warlord. But guess what? Warlord wins with a running power slam after doing pretty much nothing the entire four minutes of match. Hmm. Racist moment of the night. Again, this is 1990. Piper says he's going to refrain from calling Santana a taco vendor or a bean eater. Hmm. Let's go backstage to Sean Mooney again. This time he is with the demolition. Right around the time that the Hart Foundation challenged Demolition for the Tag Team Championship, that a third member of Demolition emerged onto the scene, giving Demolition what many considered to be an unfair advantage. Well, joining me now, Demolition, Axe, Smash, and and Crush. Gentlemen, I thought that this two out of three false title defense uh, restricted the presence of only two members of Demolition at SummerSlam. You didn't read a fine print, Mooney. It says only two Demolition at ringside. But which two, Mooney? Yeah, is it me and Axe or me and Smash? Is that me and Crush or me and Smash? Maybe it's me with Axe or maybe it's me with Crush. Gentlemen, I'm getting a little confused. Well, that's the idea. You're catching on, but it's too late for the Heart Foundation to catch on. We're demolition, and just like the name says, we're going to demolish the Heart Foundation. Just like we've demolished every tag team that's got in our path. Well, certainly standing in your path, should you be successful here tonight, would be your next challengers, the Legion of Doom. Hey, they're just a couple of second-rate imposters who need their butts kicked and their teeth kicked down their throat, just like the Heart Foundation. Come on, boys. Match number five, WWF Tag Team Championships. Well, Tag Team Championship. 
excuse me, Demolition versus the Hart Foundation in a two out of three falls match. Gene is backstage with the Hart Foundation. Jim the Anvil Nightheart confirms he doesn't think, and he also doesn't care. Brett then quotes Phil Collins and says they're two hearts beating as one. Anvil laughs hysterically at this. I think the line was corny. However, we do get a loud pop from the crowd for the Heart Foundation. Demolition almost immediately get the first fall with a flying elbow off the second rope while Hitman was in a backbreaker position. So, nice little double-team move. Oh, by the way, as is mentioned during the Demolition promo, we have three members of Demolition. Who, oh, who will be wrestling tonight? Well, if we have three members of Demolition, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be Smash and Crush. And that's who it was. Now, the second fall in this match comes when Crush attacks the ref when the Heart Foundations have the pinfall off the heart attack, and, of course, this causes a disqualification. Demolition then knock Brett to the outside and corner the ref. While the ref is distracted, Axe runs down and hides in the ring because, you know, Axe looks exactly like Smash. Same height, same weight, same face paint, everything, right? Right? Hart gets a two count on Smash. Smash heads outside to the floor. They twin magic. And Axe gets in the ring. You know, Axe who is fucking bald. Uh, Brett knows it, but Earl does it. So Axe puts a beating on Brett. Crush distracts the ref so Axe and Smash can double team hit the hitman on the outside. And after this, Axe goes back under the ring. Smash throws Brett in. The crowd screams uh, in anger, and I <laughs> I can't tell why. And the camera finally cuts to the alleyway, and we see the Legion of Doom make their way down to the ring. I apologize, they were not screaming in anger. I thought they were screaming in anger at the Twin Magic spot, but instead they were screaming in excitement because LOD is here. They pull Axe out from under the ring, punch Smash in the face, and lure him outside. So Anvil can slingshot himself over the top and hit Crush with a slingshot shoulder block. Crush then trips over Hitman, and Brett covers him for the win. How about it? So that's going to lead to a memorable feud between Demolition and Legion of Doom. Now, I say memorable, and it is, and I'll tell you why. Because it was one of the most anticipated feuds of the late 80s and early 90s, only to result in a whole lot of disappointment. Let's go to a commercial for WrestleMania 7. WrestleMania 7 this year, live at the Los Angeles Coliseum. This commercial promises over a hundred thousand fans will be in attendance. For anyone who remembers our WrestleMania Salvation series and the WrestleMania 7 review, we know that's not true. But plans change. 
Let's go backstage again to Gene. He declares this a political year and says he would hate to be an incumbent. He is with the Legion of Doom. They scream they want demolition. And hopefully now they have demolition's attention. Hawk calls them micro mini-men in a big man's world. Next, the Hart Foundation come in and brag that they will take on anybody, anytime, anywhere. From there, we throw to Sean Mooney, who is outside of Demolition's dressing room. Mooney tells us Demolition's rage is directed right at the Legion of Doom. That was pointless. Let's go back to Gene, who's with Sherry. Sherry, whose face is painted like she was in your local theater's production of Cats. Sherry brags about winning. Gene is concerned about Sapphire. And Sherry says she heard a rumor about Sapphire, but she isn't gonna tell him. Gene then throws us to a five-minute intermission. Back from intermission, and we run down the rest of tonight's card. Gene shows us a clip of Bad News Brown's quote-unquote caged rats. Hmm. Then we also see... Jake the Snake Roberts, who's with Damien in the showers. Okay. Uh, Big Boss Man will be the special guest referee for Jake versus Bad News Brown. Because Big Boss Man is law and order here in the WWF. He says he's not afraid of snakes or rats or anything. And tonight, justice will be served. This intermission is a lot longer than five minutes, but let's go back again to Sean Mooney. Mooney says the rising conflict in the Middle East, withstanding, there is newfound peace between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Is there, though? Is there? Well, tonight, that explains why Hacksaw Jim Duggan is teaming with Nikolai Volkov. Volkov, who I can't believe is still with the WWF at this point, says he loves America. Remember all those awful things he said about America the past few years? Ah, kidding. Totally loves America. And he's hacks on doors, so it's okay. Let me go back to Gene again. Again, this is like a 30-minute intermission. And he is with Earthquake and Dino Bravo. Gene calls Earthquake the only natural disaster in the WWF. Give it two years. And Earthquake reminds us that on Saturday night's main event, less than two months ago, he attacked Hogan and Hogan left on a stretcher. That is true. He did. He incapacitated the Hulkster and the Hulkster was rolled out of the arena that night on a stretcher. I'm sure there were so many kids in the room crying. Hogan was gone until Tugboat, yep, Tugboat, rallied the fans to send cards and letters to encourage Hogan to come back. Send your cards and letters to Hulk Hogan. However, we then find out that Earthquake took Tugboat out. So, Tugboat will not be in Hogan's corner tonight. So who will counter Dino Bravo and Earthquake's corner? 
Well, Hogan will figure that out as we get closer to match time. Finally, let's go back to Sean Mooney again, who is with Jake Roberts. Uh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that how we started this whole thing, talking about the Jake versus Bad News Brown match? <sighs> Jake cuts a good promo, as Jake is one to do. Despite Damien sticking his tail in Jake's eye the entire time he's wrapped around Jake's neck. Don't cut a promo with a live snake around your neck. Match number six, Jake Roberts with Damien versus Bad News Brown with supposedly 200 pounds of sewer rats. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Jake almost hits the DDT twice, but Bad News escapes both times. Bad News Brown hits Jake in the stomach with a chair, and Boss Man, the referee, does fuck all nothing. So then Bad News uses the chair a second time, and this this time, that's enough for the boss man, and he DQs Bad News Brown. Well, that was fucking dumb and pointless. And for all the talk about uh, all these animals, never saw any caged rats. Uh, it was, it was to the level of when Eric Rowan was carrying down the cage with the, with the tarp over it. That's how stupid this, this gimmick was. Uh, then to make things worse, Bad News pulls the snake bag into the center of the ring and attempts to leg drop it. But Boss Man pulls it away, so Boss Man ever the snake loving him, uh, Animal rights lover. Bossman then turns to leave, so of course Bad News attacks Bossman with his back turned. Jake gets in the ring and unleashes the snake and throws it on Bad News, who runs away in fear. No rats were used in the proceedings of this match. Another Mania 7 commercial. Good God, there's two pay-per-views before that. Then again, I guess they're trying to sell 100,000 tickets in Los Angeles. Gene is with Demolition, finally. They yell, they scream, they bitch about LOD and the Heart Foundation. And I would like to point out that despite a two out of three falls match, Demolition's face paint is perfectly applied during this segment. Hmm. It's almost as if this segment was pre-recorded. <gasps> then it's time for one of my favorite segments in yours. It's the Brother Love Show. I, I know our fans and retro fans across the world love Brother Love. Am I right, guys? Am I right? You love you some brother love. Oh, God. I remember as a kid, the only thing I thought about brother love is why is that man red? His guest tonight is Sergeant Slaughter. Good God. 
Slaughter is here to award the Great American Award. That's right, the Great American Award. And this year's winner is Brother Love. God, I'm not allowed to fast forward this shit, am I? Uh, Brother Love is ecstatic. The comically huge metal looks like a toy. <laughs> uh, Slaughter is also here to declare war on Nikolai Volkov. Slaughter actually says, if war were to break out tomorrow, General Saddam Hussein would kick America's butt. Okay, so this is going to lead to his title win at Rumble. Sure. Uh, Sean Mooney is with the Orient Express. And, of course, they say nothing, but they are also with Mr. Fuji. Fuji says, Superpower America and Superpower Soviet Union have come together to take on the mighty Japan. Fuji then says that they'll make Hacksaw's other eye wonky. (laughs) Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, However, Fuji is interrupted by breaking news. Breaking news is Gina's about to get a word with Sapphire. But she storms by Gene and goes into an unmarked room and slams the door in his face. (gasps) What is going on? Literally see this coming a mile away. Match number seven, Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkov versus the Orient Express for reasons. Hacksaw and Nikolai come out to what will be Lex Luger's music in a few years. First thing I notice is that, very uncharacteristically, Hacksaw spent a lot of time in the tanning booth this week. It's weird. It's not his usual pasty white self. Hacksaw and Nikolai sing God Bless America. It's pretty terrible, and portions of the crowd boo. Good. They deserve it. However, Hacksaw, ever the babyface, gets the crowd back by taking the mic and saying, May God bless all of our great men and women in the Middle East. Amen, brother. The faces easily dominate the Orient Express with a double atomic drop and then double clothesline as the crowd chants USA. Volkov eventually gets isolated and hit in the jaw with Fuji's cane. The ref, of course, does not see this, And although Volkov is in trouble, he eventually tags out to Duggan, who beats up both members of the Orient Express. Hacksaw punches both of them repeatedly, and then hits a double noggin knocker. Hacksaw hits the three-point stance clothesline, and gets the win, and a surprisingly big reaction from the crowd. I say surprisingly big reaction because, again, another short match. Uh, and it's also so weird seeing Nikolai Volkov's character waving the American flag. Definitely not used to that one. We get a very brief commercial for Survivor Series. I'm not kidding you. Nothing like what we've gotten tonight for WrestleMania 7. 
But let's go to Gene, who remains at the door that got slammed in his face. This time he's with Dusty. Dusty bangs on the door repeatedly, but there's no answer. Dusty says if he has to go to ring by himself, he will. But right after, he's coming back here to see what's going on with Sweet Sapphire. Match number eight. The long-anticipated match between Dusty Rhodes and the Macho King Randy Savage. Dusty is befuddled, confused, and concerned at it as he makes his way to the ring. Uh, Mooney is backstage with the Macho King, who says, Who can blame Sapphire? I'd run away too. She got sick of hanging out with the common man. Ouch. Sherry then leads the way to the ring as four jobbers carry Savage to the ring on his throne. Savage has his throne brought all the way to the apron, and he steps off and enters the ring. Somewhere in the distance, we hear the million-dollar man's laugh. Wait, what? He's not scheduled right now. What's he doing here? Wait a minute, what's this? spectrum and watching from around the world you've all got a price for the million dollar man my money can buy anybody or anything and tonight Rhodes it has bought your humiliation and if there's ever been a doubt in your mind or in anybody else's mind that what I say isn't true that I want you to feast your eyes on my latest purchase. But, lock, stock, and barrel, here she is, the sweet sapphire. Oh, no. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> is it true? Does everybody have a price? Just Sapphire certainly had her price. That explains why. Take a long, hard look. Open that bag, Sapphire. Show it. Take a look, Rhodes. It's a whole bag full of money. Who do you think gave her a bag full of money, Dusty? Who do you think bought this fur coat? Bought this diamond bracelet? Bought this diamond necklace? Diamond ring, a trip around the world, and a Cadillac. Who but the million dollar man could afford to do it? <laughs> but don't be upset, Dusty. Don't be upset with Look at Rose Sapphire. Because she didn't do anything that any of you wouldn't do. She had her price, just like all of you had your price. Including you, common man, for the million dollar man. And Dusty Rhodes, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) 
Dusty immediately tries to go after Sapphire to confront her, but Savage attacks him in the aisle. Savage pummels Dusty and then distracts the ref so so Sherry can choke him with her knee. Rhodes fights back and elbows Savage out of the ring. Dusty goes after him, but Savage pulls Sherry in front of him. The ref then gets between Sherry and Dusty, which allows Sherry to hand Savage her purse. Sherry goes in the ring. Dusty goes after her, but Sherry escapes. Savage nails Dusty with the purse and knocks Dusty out cold. Savage makes the pin, and that's it, folks. Your winner by pinfall, the Macho King Randy Savage. Backstage, Virgil, DiBiase, and Sapphire go to get into DiBiase's limo, but Mooney is relentless to try to get a word with them. So DiBiase snaps at him and says, Listen, peon, I told you, everybody has a price for the Million Dollar Band. Dusty runs backstage to the back, but as he approaches the limo, Virgil and DiBiase get in the, in the limo, slam the door, and Dusty bangs on the window, but the limo drives away. Womp womp. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> is what it is, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so Sapphire's a heel. But I guess the gimmick was just to get more sympathy for Dusty. Um, I'm not sure if you need more sympathy for Dusty. He's Dusty fucking Rose. But it was a good angle. It was a good angle. It was a little bit obvious, but it was a good angle. Uh, as far as what Sapphire does after this, I don't think it's much. Let's go to the first half of our double main event. Match number nine, Hulk Hogan versus the Earthquake. Earthquake makes his way down the ring with Dino Bravo, but Gene is with Hulk and Bossman. Hulk remembers the pain he felt when Earthquake beat him up, dude. He remembers the tears coming down the faces of his little Hulksters. He remembers all the cards and the letters from all the Hulkamaniacs. He apparently doesn't remember the hell that Bossman put him through two and a half years ago, but that's okay. We're just going to forget that because tonight, Hogan dedicates this match to the big tugster and says, tonight, Bossman will have his back. Both Hogan and Bossman then desperately try to tie this promo into the Declaration of Independence, but they both fail horribly. Bossman comes out by himself to a huge pop. I think more so because people thought Hogan was coming out. And then Hogan comes out and the crowd gets Hogan loud. You know, Hogan loud. It was a thing back then. The 24-inch python saunter down to the ring as the fans lose their shit. Mind you, this is the semi-main. There's no in-between. There's no popcorn match. After posing in the ring, Hogan goes to the ropes and spits on Earthquake. He is such an amazing humanitarian, isn't he? Isn't Hulk Hogan like the best good guy? Literally just spit in Earthquake's face. (sighs) Earthquake and Hogan tie up, but Hogan can't outpower Earthquake. In fact, it's Earthquake who gets the better of Hulk twice. 
Hulkster goes off the ropes, and Quake shoulder blocks him down, so Hogan powders out. Again, good guy. Hogan gets back in the ring and rakes the face of the earthquake, good guy. And then he starts throwing huge punches. He attempts a body slam, but Quake blocks it. Now Earthquake punishes Hogan with clubbing blows. Hogan fights back with a series of clotheslines, but Quake won't go down. Jimmy Hart and Dino Bravo jump on the apron, so Hogan punches them down. Three more big rights to the Earthquake, and he finally goes down on his butt. Earthquake powders, Hogan goes after him. Hogan attacks Dino, and then Bossman straight up attacks Earthquake. How is this match not a no contest? All four men in the ring, so Bossman and Hogan can double boot Bravo again. Earl could give a shit less. And then they hit a double boot to Earthquake. Finally, after this spot, Earl gets Bossman out of the ring, but this allows Dino and Earthquake to double-team Hogan. Earthquake drops a huge elbow on Hogan and covers him. His right shoulder isn't even down, but it's okay because Hulk kicks out anyway. Earthquake then jumps on Hogan. Uh, excuse me, Earthquake then jumps on Hogan's fingers. So his hand must be broke, right? Earthquake then locks on a Boston Crab. And Hogan viciously taps, but that wasn't a thing in 1990, so nobody nobody blinked an eye at it. Uh, Hogan does make it to the ropes, and Earthquake is for, forced to break. Hogan crawls to the outside. Hogan gets tossed back in the ring, and Earthquake goes for another elbow, but this time he misses. Hogan tries to come back and even gets Earthquake up for a body slam, but he can't hold him. And we get the famous John Cena Big Show spot where he falls backwards, and Earthquake squishes Hogan for a two-count. Earthquake then applies... The most dangerous maneuver a big man can apply to Hulk Hogan. The bear hug. Hogan tries to escape by flailing wildly. And he even grabs Earl's shirt and rips a portion of it off. Weird. Because it leads to nothing, so I'm not really sure what the fuck the point of that was. Hogan finally powers out and attempts to come back again. And he has mild success until he tries a crossbody, which is a bad idea. And Earthquake catches him and flattens him with basically a world's strongest slam. This gets another two count. Earthquake delivers his devastating Earthquake splash, but there's no cover because Dino Bravo jumped on the apron. Oh, so now that's going to matter? Okay. Sure. Earthquake hits a second Earthquake splash, and now there's a cover, but Hogan kicks out, and I bet you can figure out what comes next. Hogan hulks up. He's impervious to pain. We get the big boot. Hogan calls for the body slam. And we get the body slam this time. Hogan falls up with the leg drop, but Dino Bravo is already on the apron. Bossman jumps on the apron, and Jimmy Hart runs in the ring and jumps on Hogan's back. Hogan gorilla presses Jimmy onto Earthquake, and this takes Earthquake down. 
Quake rolls to the outside. Hogan goes after him. It's at this point I see a very nice table at ringside under a blue tablecloth, the same color as the ring apron. Hmm. Hogan body slams Earthquake through the table. Oops, sorry. That was not supposed to happen, but instead he body slams Earthquake on top of the table, which doesn't break. Quake tumbles off of it. Hogan gets back in the ring. And your winner by countout, Hulk Hogan. Okay. After the match, Earthquake attacks Hogan. Bossman then gets a wooden step stool. And he nails Dino Bravo with it, sending Dino Bravo out of the ring. Meanwhile, Earthquake lifts Hogan with a two-handed choke. And Bossman hits Quake with the stool, but it has no effect on the big man. Bossman does it twice more, and finally Earthquake lets go and goes down. Earthquake and Dino slowly, slowly make their way to the back. And then we get a very long Hogan must pose spot. I would like to remind you that this is not the main event, but we go through all four sides of Hogan posing. <laughs> Bossman and Hogan pose together as Piper calls this a hollow victory. So that's it, right? That's SummerSlam 1990. That's the end of the pay-per-view. Uh, no, no, no. It is not. We still have one more match left. Uh, let's go backstage to Sean Mooney. This time he is with Ravishing Rick Rude. Just keep your mouth shut, because he's going to win that Intercontinental title With me back. now, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Ravishing Rick Rude. Hey! I know, the next World Wrestling Federation champion. That's exactly right. You know, Philadelphia is ripe with history. Well, I was right here at the Spectrum that the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa made his way into the ring to face the seemingly invincible Apollo Creed. But let me tell you, that was Hollywood. This is reality. But like it does so many times, art imitates life. And your life is about to change, Ultimate Warrior, because you know nothing about a steel cage match. It's my kind of match. I've got the advantage. And tonight, Warrior, you won't be able to run. And you won't be able to hide. After you make your entrance and the steel cage door is slammed behind you, it will symbolically seal your fate. And I will become the next World Wrestling Federation champion and take my rightful place outside the spectrum next to the statue of Rocky Balboa. You see, warrior, ravishing Rick Rude beat you before. And tonight, he's going to beat you again. But this time, it's going to be inside of a steel cage. The most grueling match in the World Wrestling Federation. There are two ways to win. The first man out of the cage or pin your opponent. And anything goes. And when it's all over, warrior... There won't be anything left of you. There won't be any sequels either. No Rocky 2, 3, or 4. And there ain't gonna be no rematch. 
Afterwards, Gene is with Dusty, which is apparently the real story tonight. And Dusty cuts a really great promo. Dusty Rhodes, your walk down that tunnel here at the Spectrum. A very dejected and despondent man after what happened with Sapphire. What I call it, Gene, is emotion. This great sport in the World Wrestling Federation is built on emotion. Sapphire took the money. That's fine. I offered up my innocence to her. She paid me back in scorn. Now only America can give me shelter from the storm. I am in a storm, baby. And walking out towards that Cadillac, many thousands of fans were screaming, when you gonna get bad, big dust? When you gonna get mad, big dust? When you gonna get even, big dust? Ted DiBiase... The million dollar man, the man that can buy anything but Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, but the American way of life that lives in his heart. So Ted DiBiase, I'm getting bad, baby, and I'm coming for you. Lord Alfred Hayes is ringside as the big blue cage is being set up. Apparently that's what we're doing now, is just wasting time until the cage is ready. Uh... Lord Alfred Hayes puts over how dangerous the cage is, and then we go back to Gene. Gene is with Hulk Hogan, because Hogan, 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 Hogan. Then we'll go to Earthquake and Dino Bravo. They scream a lot of things. Nobody fucking cares. Finally... Let's go to Gene, who is with the WWF champion, the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior asks Gene, What does Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan have in common with the Liberty Bell? Gene says, What? Warrior says, One is cracked and the other is a ding-dong. Gene literally laughs at this like it's the funniest thing in the world. Hogan goes on, I mean, sorry. (laughs) Hogan, 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 Hogan. Warrior goes on to say uh, that tonight Rick Root is in trouble. He can't escape the cage. Bobby Heenan can't help him. And let's go down to ringside. As Root makes his entrance, we are told that... The rules of this cage match specifically is that you have to win by pinfall or submission or exiting over the top of the cage or exiting through the door. Okay. Remember that. So Rude walks out with Bobby Heenan and they dub over whatever his music was originally with some very, very crappy generic music. Um, but the root, but the way they do it, it's too loud and you can't hear Piper and Vince. Root insults the fans like usual, leading to him taking off his robe. He's got his face on the front of his tights, uh, and his image punching Warrior in the face on the back of his tights. Nice touch. The Ultimate Warrior enters with the WWF title around his waist. 
Warrior runs down to the ring, climbs part of the cage, and shakes the bars. Pretty good ovation from the Warrior. Or for the Warrior, I will say. Um, and I, I say pretty good ovation for the Warrior because he is the WWF champion. He is the Ultimate Warrior. This is 1990. But given how much energy the crowd spent on the last match, I'm surprised he got anything. As Warrior climbs up to the cage, while his music is still playing, uh, Rude attacks him. And then the bell rings with Warrior on the outside of the cage. Okay. Warrior knocks Rude down and hits a fist attack off the top rope. Warrior whips Rude into the cage three times. Uh, Warrior charges, Rude moves, and Warrior hits the cage. Rude then tries to climb out, but Warrior grabs his foot to stop him, and Rude enters back into the ring with a diving punch. Rude then whips Warrior hard into the cage twice. Mind you, this is all within the first minute, and Rude is already bleeding from his forehead. Oh, the viciousness of a steel cage. Rude works over Warrior with some kicks and punches. He tries to go for the Rude Awakening, but Warrior powers out of it. Clothesline by Warrior. He goes for a splash, but Rude gets his knees up to block it. Rude picks up Warrior and hits the Rude Awakening. He hits the Rude Awakening. Does he cover after he hits the Rude Awakening? No, he does not. Much to the confusion of Vince McMahon and Rowdy Piper. Instead, Rude climbs up to the cage, not up the cage and over, but up to like the middle of the cage, and he jumps off the cage with what we'll call a single axe handle. He then does this a second time. Again, either pin him or climb out. Bobby Heenan then opens the door and tell, tells Rude to come this way. Rude's like, Wooger. But no, Rude can't help himself. He goes up to the turnbuckle for a third time. He jumps off on another attack, and this time Warrior catches him with a punch to the gut. Warrior then tries to leave through the door. But Bobby Heenan slams the door on his head. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Finally, after this, Rude covers Warrior, but it only gets two count. Warrior and Rude then go off the ropes, and they nail each other with a double clothesline, and both of them are down. Rude tries to crawl to the door. Warrior holds him by the foot which is preventing him from getting out, with Heenan trying to pull Root out. As Heenan pulls on Root's arms, and Warrior pulls on Root's foot in the opposite direction, Warrior reaches out and grabs Root's tights, and pulls him down so that the whole world can see his ass. Gotta do what you gotta do to win! Warrior drags Heenan into the cage, 
and lays him out with a right hand. Warrior then hits Heenan with an atomic drop, and this sends him flying out of the door. Rude turns and hits Warrior with a clothesline. Warrior does his no-selling routine, and he starts to Hulk up, although it wasn't called Hulk up when the Warrior did it. He just, you know, he's going crazy! It's the ultimate warrior. Uh, we get three clotheslines in a row, we get the gorilla press slam, and then Warrior climbs up the cage. So at this point, I'm assuming he's doing some type of top rope splash, as like a super warrior splash to pin Rude. No, no, because after the gorilla press slam, Warrior just climbs up over the cage, goes to the other side, gets halfway down, swivels his hips, while Rude is looking all, like, dizzy in the ring, like, you know, that, that I'm standing, but I'm, I'm out on my feet look. And then Warrior just jumps down. And that's it. So let me get this straight. <laughs> we dedicate 30 minutes to Hulk Hogan before this match. Uh, we get all of the energy out of the crowd by having Hogan do his pose shit with no buffer in between. And then, instead of the Ultimate Warrior getting a pinfall on Rick Rude and, and making it look, him look as dominant as possible, he climbs out of the cage, which is very, very anticlimactic. Also, the whole idea of Rick Rude not pinning somebody after the Rude Awakening is stupid. Is very fucking stupid. But I guess he didn't want Warrior kicking out. And I guess that was the compromise. I just... <sighs> Warrior swings the title around a la Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. And the crowd is, like, happy. But they were a lot louder for Hogan. Warrior uh, then climbs back on top of the cage to swing the belt around on the top of the cage as we go off the air. Man. <laughs> you know, this wasn't a bad SummerSlam. There was a lot of fun at this, at this event. I, I enjoyed the thread of Dusty and Sapphire even though it was blatantly obvious. I did enjoy that that was a thread throughout the night. Now, I was a big Hulk Hogan fan as a kid. I was a Hulkamaniac. I think you did Warrior disservice tonight. Tonight, the champ was not the most important part of the show. And it was pretty fucking obvious. <laughs> Also, maybe the wrong opponent. I understand Rude and, and Warrior have history, but that's something you do at a Saturday night's main event. I don't know if anybody bought that, that Rick Rude was going to beat the Warrior for the title. And it showed during the match. There's a lot of dead spots from the crowd. And this is 1990. Warrior should be getting Austin-type pops at this point. And then the fact that he doesn't pin him and he just climbs out, it's just, ugh. 
Ugh, it didn't work for me. It really fucking didn't work. Um, I just don't think that they... I don't know. I don't want to say they didn't do Warrior Justice as champ. I just think they kind of minimized him. It was still all about Hogan. This entire uh, main event scene felt all about Hogan. Hogan, 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 Hogan. Even talk time, and I understand Warrior wasn't the best talker, but Hogan got like three promo segments and Warrior got one. Visuals matter, folks. Is it really surprising that within six months he loses the belt to Slaughter at Mania? I would have preferred a rematch of Hogan and Warrior 2 at WrestleMania 7, but, you know, it is what it is. If I had to pick a match of the night, surprisingly, I'd say go check out the tag match between the Hart Foundation and Demolition. Even though it got hokey with LOD uh, and the fucking Twin Magic spot, the actual work in the ring was really fucking good. Uh, of course, when you have Brett in there, he's going to make anybody look good. But yeah, I really enjoyed that match. And as far as the rest of the card, it was all right. There, there were definitely points that I felt could have been better. But overall, for SummerSlam in 1990, it was uh, pretty, pretty good. Vince and Piper, too, I will give them credit. They were funny. Because you know Piper's just going to needle Vince the whole fucking time. Uh, way, way too much Gene and Sean Mooney. But that was the style back then. Whether I've done Survivor Series or I've done WrestleManias from this era, especially late 80s, early 90s, we have to talk to everybody post-match. Heel and face every single time. It's a little annoying. They figure it out eventually, but... Mm. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this ride with me down memory lane. Coming up on the timeline of my extracurricular activities. We'll travel till 1998 for Salvivor Series, where it's a deadly game! And coming up on TakeOver Salvation, it will be NXT TakeOver Dallas, and I may just have a special guest for that episode. But until then, have a good night. Listen to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast every single week on your podcast feed. Couple of broken people trying to complete each other under one breath. You're like in the mirror, look into my eyes. When you see your reflection, you see what I like. You look good in the morning. been listening to a rundown wrestling network production please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events keep it locked there or subscribe to the rundown wrestling network on itunes spotify google podcast stitcher premium or anywhere you get your podcast from 
leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.